Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range. Or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to improve themselves, overcome obstacles, and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. Hi, friends. Thank you so much for listening in today. I just love the people who keep coming back every Wednesday. And for those of you who reach out and let me know how the episode has affected you and the positive change the podcast has created in your life, I'm so grateful to you. If you do love what you hear today, go ahead and take a screenshot of this episode, text it to a friend, post it on social media, share out what's good and what you love about it. If you do share it publicly, make sure you tag me at About Progress. I would love to connect with you. It's one of my favorite things about the podcast is this community that we have formed. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at About Progress. And you can also see more about me as well as my show notes on my website, aboutprogress.com. 
Let's talk about our guest today. It's Rachel Bagley. You might know her as the wonderful brains behind Cardigan Empire. She's been at this blogging and fashion business for a long time, but you will love Rachel's perspective on fashion and so many other things. She is wise and funny and smart as a whip. We get to learn more about what made Rachel who she is today, the trials she has faced, including infertility and eating disorders, and what she has learned from them and other things that she has faced in her life. Let's give Rachel the rest of the time because you're going to want every minute you can get from her. Hi, I'm here with Rachel Bagley. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Monica. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's such an honor to have you on the show today. I was hoping you could give our listeners an introduction. Absolutely. So I have been blogging for a little under a decade, and I've seen a huge uh, transformation in the industry. But basically, I'm still doing what I set out to do, which is to help people match their insides with their outsides. And I really, and my goal is to just help people feel confident and happy. And in that time, I've added four children to my repertoire. And Mm -hmm. I talk a little bit about them. And I talk a little bit about life. But really, we're just here to help people be able to show the world who they really are through clothing and be able to kind of survive through life together. So... Well, I have to embarrass myself by um, revealing that I I feel like I was one of your first followers on your blog. I have been reading you <laughs> from the beginning and love what you do, love the heart you have behind everything you do, too. And I want to spend a lot of time on that, why you are that way and what you like to see produced from what you do every day by helping people match their inside with the outside. But first, I think we need to learn a little bit more about you. We don't usually get the opportunity, um, you know, just with Instagram and and, uh, with blogging to, I mean, you do go deep a lot and a lot more often than other people in the fashion business. But I I don't know this is a fun medium to learn even a little more about you. You said in one recent post. Oh, yeah. You only get to show a little tiny sliver of yourself most of the time. Yeah, especially, well, because you can't. You can't have like a 40 minute conversation in a um, little square usually. So that's what we get to <laughs> right, do yeah. today. Um, you said in a recent Instagram post, you talked about all the jobs that you've done. And I was so entertained by the <laughs> many careers you've had. So first tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I worked from the time that I was 14. I was working. I was a maid. I worked at a snow cone shack and I worked for a financial planner, but really I went to college for business and then I went on to get my MBA. And then from there, I kind of was working in the world of brand management. Uh, I worked with GE. I worked as a webmaster, but really I was focused in on marketing and I got to work in that genre, that category for, you know, a couple of years, probably four or five years. And during that time, we were searching out our children and trying to find them. And I was working remotely. So I was traveling back between Arizona and Utah a lot. And I just came to the conclusion that if we wanted to find our children, this was not going to work and that we needed to make some changes in our life. So I quit my job, which was our primary income at the time. But um, and I ended up I had been working part time at Anthropology. And so when I quit, they asked me, hey, we're starting this new fashion fashion uh, 
client uh, profiling program and we really want you to help us launch it. And I said, hey, I don't have a job, so why not? I can afford to, you know, take a cut and pay. And I started working with them and I really just enjoyed working with people. I love yeah. the one-on-one contact in the fitting rooms. I love getting to know people and I loved the idea of kind of creating brands with clothing. Mm-hmm. And I also started realizing how much people uh, don't be, they aren't able to see their true reflection. I spent a lot of time yeah. where I would felt like I had really nailed an outfit for somebody and then they look in the mirror and all they could see was one little part of themselves or one little flaw and they weren't capturing the whole picture. And I, mm. I really felt like that's something I wanted to help people with. So is this when fashion blogging came into play for you? It's kind of blending all of these talents and interests that you have, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. So I just, from there, um, I just started blogging a lot for myself. Like it started out more as personal journaling and being able to tell myself what I wanted to hear and hoping that somebody else needed to hear it as well, uh, hoping that would resonate with somebody else. Was fashion something you had always had an interest in from a young age, or did that come later on as you were, you know, expressing yourself as an adult? Oh, I always loved clothes. My mom teases me that I would put on four outfits at a time, and she had to check out clothes to me. And I always thought clothes were interesting and this opportunity to create yourself. And I always, you know, appreciated pushing the envelope and doing fun things, but um, I really fell in love with the medium of fashion more as an adult and realizing that fashion is this amazing art form, but it can only truly exist in its fullest sense when you put it on the person. Most art forms, you know, like photography or, uh, you know, fine art, um, painting, oil painting, they can exist in isolation. But fashion, you have to connect it to an organic form for it to be you know, fulfill the measure of its creation. And I thought that was so fascinating that, you know, there's this intimate connection between the art and the person. And I just really loved helping make that connection with people and being able to show people that, you know, clothes exist to serve us and not the other way around. Because I think a lot of people get confused, you know, like going into the fitting room and feeling like they failed, you know, like I didn't fit into any of these clothing. In reality, what happened was none of the clothing fit you. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. And, you know, some sometimes it's hard to look on your feed and just see people who are always pushing by this, by this, by this. And fashion really can do that, too. Um, but I think you move beyond this pressure to consume so well. I was wondering if you have some thoughts on how you have been able to balance that pressure to to consume and and this desire you have to really bring out what's best in people. How have you been able to do that? Well, one of the things is, you know, doing as many closet cleanings as I have done, (laughs) you realize when you go into people's closets that there's so much in there that they aren't using and that they aren't enjoying and that isn't serving any purpose. And I I joke one time I um, was going through a closet and I got rid of all this stuff. And then I went to her friend's closet and I was finding the same clothes there that I had gotten rid of out of the other person's closet. So I cleaned them all out of that closet, got referred to another friend and was finding these. I'm like, I never want to see these <laughs> items of clothing again. Okay. They need to go away. And I think when you see how much, you know, like clothes, fashion, it, it shouldn't be about, you know, just always feeling like you're on trend. It should just be about feeling like you're you. 
Mm. And that doesn't mean that you have to have, you know, the, the newest blouse or the newest jeans. Like as long as it's working and it's serving you, that's what we need to do. And that's what we need in your closet. And I would way rather see 10 items that you wear all the time than, you know, 5,000 items that are just, you know, being lazy in their closet, doing absolutely nothing. It just, it's, you know, it, it gets to the point, not, not that I'm a full minimalist or anything like that, I wish, but I think, you know, having a really functional wardrobe is important. You know, so it seems like you turned this um, into doing services for people, too. You come to their home and you help them, well, you at least did. I don't know if you continue to do that now, like go through their closets and mm-hmm. figure out what's Yes, working. I still do it. Yeah. So how did it turn yeah, into yeah. that for you? And what did you get out of that, well, too? I- yeah, no, I really enjoy, like, there's about, there's almost nothing less more, or sorry, let me rephrase that. There are a few things more intimate than standing in a closet with somebody for two hours and watching them try on everything in their closet and, you know, getting dressed and undressed. And I think it's just such a vulnerable experience mm-hmm. and it's a real way to connect with people. And I really enjoy doing it. Like I've met people that I really care about and learned about things that I never would have encountered before. And it's just, it's a new experience every time you go into a closet. And I um, I feel like that's just one way that you can really help people. Like when you get to go through a whole process of cleaning somebody's whole closet out, profiling them, helping them understand, you know, this is your body type and this is your signature style and this is your coloring and this is your lifestyle, you know, and trying to piece those, you know, like those individual sections together into a true person and then going out and shopping and helping them find items that fill the holes and what they're missing and really put together something functional for them and see that whole transformation. It's really rewarding, you know, and you can do it on all kinds of different budgets and I've done it with all kinds of different people and, you know, different sizes and different lifestyles. And it's just, it's a really enjoyable journey. Like it's something that it doesn't get boring. It's something that I continue to enjoy and it really adds a lot of intimacy uh, that you don't get through social media. You're able to go really deep with these uh, relationships. I'm trying to imagine being a client going through that, and I can see that being a really emotional process. Was, was there a client in, in your memory who seemed to just really have like an emotional breakthrough, and I mean like a, in a good way, um, while doing this with you? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean usually there's something that clients are allowing to hold them back. So sometimes that might be, you know, like I've had clients who just are committed to buying everything off the sale rack. And I love myself a good, you know, sale fine. But when you're buying it just because of the price tag, that's a complete waste of money. You know, if it's, you're just excited about it because of how far it was discounted, that's not a reason to buy something. And so, you know, helping somebody to push through that or, I've had a client who is a bodybuilder and just felt like I can't wear anything but workout clothes, right? And I have to have a professional presence. So, you know, helping her to identify the right kinds of fabrics and fits and things like that was just really powerful. And then, you know, I've had clients who they're, you know, I could relate with their situations where they're going through infertility and, you know, realizing that they need things that can flex with them. And I think, that, you know, our clothing has to serve the myriad of roles that we have in our life. And they ha- it has to be able to transition through whatever we're going through. And it's 
it can be like, I love this quote I found the other day, but it's like, it said, I'm a nicer person when I like my outfit. And that sounds yeah. so trivial, right? Like so superficial, like, oh my gosh, well, of course. But at the same time, if you can take care of that superficial, trivial, uh, you know, concern and be able to focus on what's really important to you, and then you're not worrying about that superficial thing anymore, then your mind is free to accomplish so much more. If you're mm-hmm. not feeling like your pants are too tight while you're mm-hmm. pregnant or if you're not feeling like, you know, your postpartum stomach is, you know, giving you issues, then you're able to focus on your children or your goals or whatever it is that you want. And I feel like that is so powerful. Oh, yeah, that's actually a word I was just going to bring up with you. I kind of had this um, pendulum swing for me when I was uh, like recovering from being so obsessed with my parents for many years. You know, that translated to eating disorders for me. And then I went the other way when I was like, I'm not going to focus on the exterior. I'm going to focus on the interior. Um, So I tried to wear like very minimal makeup, very, you know, I didn't I tried to not invest too much in how I was looking but <laughs> I have learned, though, that I feel better, like you, like that quote said, I don't think that is superficial. It's a form of expression, and it is empowering. Like, I feel better when I feel put together and unique and have something different on, and um, that flatters me, too. And so now I've kind of gone the other way of not, like, being obsessed about it, but using it as a tool for empowerment. And I wanted to know... For you, how has fashion been empowering when you are going through some dark times? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, this whole thing started, I had a very similar situation when I was going through infertility. I got to the point where I was angry at my body. Like I literally hated my body because I really wanted to be pregnant for, you know, so many years and went through so many treatments and tried so many things and wanted to be perfect. Like I was going to eat perfect and I was going to do everything perfect. And then I would be pregnant and everything was going to go right. And it was, it just didn't happen like that. And I was angry at my body. Like I was, I was hurting it. I was, you know, not taking care of myself the way that I should. And I was just lashing out. And I, you know, I, I felt like I was just at odds with myself and it was miserable. It was one of the, you know, most miserable times of my life. And I just came to the conclusion that like, no, I, my body is never going to be perfect. It's never going, I'm never going to be 5'10". I'm never going to have thigh gap. (laughs) I'm never going to, you know, at this point, I probably will never be able to fill out a bra properly. You know, there's all kinds of things, but I just learned to show respect for my body and show respect for the people that I care about and show respect for wherever I was going. And it wasn't about like being the best dressed person in the room. That is never my goal. Like I never want to walk into a room and be like, I am the best dressed person here. I look so much better than everybody else. All I want to do is ask myself, like, am I showing respect to myself? Am I showing respect to the people that I care about? And am I showing respect for the places that I'm going? Mm -hmm. And that might be that I'm just showing respect to the grocery store clerk in the grocery store, right? Like I'm saying, like, I respect you. I put on a a pants with zipper and I combed my hair and that's what we had today. But, and it might be just that I only see my kids that day, but I have respect for all those people. And it's not a competition with everybody else. It's just a matter of showing myself that I am valuable and that I have worth and it isn't, you know, always looking to the external to try and find validation because that's an endless competition that you're never Mm going to win and doesn't bring any happiness. But if you're just looking to say like, this is who I am and this is how I feel. And 
or this is how I want to feel sometimes because sometimes let's face it, like you wake up and you feel crummy and sometimes if you just put on a clean blouse and, you know, some pants that actually fit that don't give you any, you know, malfunctions during the day, you're Mm -hmm. in a good place, right? So that's kind of the goal that I have with fashion. I think you help so many people too. I mean, that's why I have uh, followed you for so many years because I, I feel um, inspired by you. I don't feel like I am made to compete with you in my own mind, just by the way you present things and by the way you teach things. You are very good at teaching people how to dress for their body types, which I so appreciate. You know, you brought up um, infertility a few times, and I I was curious if that was something that you had suffered through in silence or if that was something that was more of an open thing for you while you were in the thick of it? I think at the beginning, it was definitely something that I kept quiet. You know, it didn't feel like that was proper conversation, you know, on a regular basis. But the more and more like, you know, I went through it for seven years. So there was a long period of time. And By the end of it, I realized that there were so many other people going through the same thing Mm -hmm. that staying quiet about it didn't serve anyone. And I'd rather be able to connect with people and let them know who I really was because it was such a big part of my life at the time that to not talk about it just felt like I was hiding something, um, you know, significant from the people that I cared about. So not that I brought it up all the time, but I would definitely say that it was something that I was open about with, you know. A, a relatively large group of people. And so this, this, so many emotions that you're going through during this time, it seemed to translate to just, like you said, anger towards your body. And how, now that you can look back at that, why do you think that was what you turned to, that anger as a way to deal with it? It, I, it just feels like you have so little control in those situations. Mm-hmm. And there's so little that you can do. And, you know, you go to enough doctors where they don't even remember your name, even though you're going in there every single week for shots or whatever. And mm-hmm. it just feels like you're so out of control in so many situations that you want to control something like, and you mentioned eating disorders, and that's an easy way to feel like you have control of things, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy to feel like I can limit these things or I can control this. I'm, you know, and in the end you realize that you're completely out of control and that you, uh, you know, you're, (laughs) you're destroying yourself and just creating complete misery for yourself. And I know I had some really good friends who helped me through that, who had, you know, been through eating disorders themselves. And I feel like that was a really big blessing. Um, and that was very healing for me to Mm -hmm. be able to go through that. And it was also very healing. And, you know, it's not some stuff like that doesn't go away overnight. It's taken years and years and years. And there's still triggers and different things like that. But, you know, there is hope if anybody is struggling with those things that it it won't you can't recover and that there is hope, I think, is a big thing. And I think, you know, clothing, like we said, it's such a small thing, but just trying to find joy and, you know, little things and be able to appreciate yourself in small ways, you know, like little by little, then it's easier to climb out of those situations. You know, these friends helped you. Was that um, something you did? Did you reach out to them or did they reach out to you? Oh my goodness. I'm such an introvert. Yeah. (laughs) So I think it was a complete blessing that these friends found me and it was completely serendipitous. Uh, 
you know, I was involved with a, a charitable organization and I was doing yoga for it at, or a charitable cause and I was doing yoga and two good friends showed up. I had never met them before. I probably would never met them under any other circumstances. And I think that was just God's way of, you know, just giving me a gift that I really needed. That was an absolute blessing to me. And so did they recognize in you what they thought was going on and approach you or was it? Eventually, okay. eventually, but neither of them pushed it. Like mm-hmm. they just let me open up when I was ready. And I think that was absolutely perfect. Yeah. Like they expressed to me that they had been through similar things before. And I think they knew what was going on, but they waited until I was ready to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that really helped. I think if anybody had confronted me about it or, tried to tell me, you know, this is what you need to do, then that could have backfired very easily. And all they ever did was, you know, just very loving and just very accepting. And, and they also, it was just nice being around them because they realized it was a process and that Mm -hmm. there were going to be setbacks. And that this was, you know, for for the long haul, when you really want to find recovery in these things, it's, it's a long process. Um, but I'm really grateful because, you know, uh, 10 years later, I can say that, I'm in a much better place with that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been about that long for me too. Um, that's really interesting. Were Were there some good turning points the last ten years of things that just helped that healing process uh, along a little a little better? Uh, you know, I think uh, it sounds so. Um, one of the things, definitely finding those two friends was very helpful. And then just adding children, like the healing of having children, uh, it was it was such a beautiful miracle. Like, mm-hmm. And I think being able to accept adoption, because the first time we thought about adoption three years into the process of infertility, we knew it wasn't the right thing for us. Mm-hmm. But then uh, around seven years in, we had a really... Uh, a really strong feeling that we needed to look into it again. Once again, we had a birth mother approach us and talk to us about it and just say, like, I've been thinking about you guys. I just wanted to share my story. We had no idea she was a birth mother and she told us her whole story. And that was, you know, and I just felt so strongly like, yeah, it was the thing. And I mean, that's when our daughter was ready. Like at three years, Mm -hmm. our daughter wasn't ready to come to us yet, Mm -hmm. but it's, that exact moment that's when our daughter was ready to come and there were so many miracles that brought her into our lives and Mm -hmm. I feel like she was really healing to me even though she didn't come through my body uh, just having her and being able to be a mother and wanting to pass something stronger down to her and not wanting to continue this cycle of you know self-hatred or um, any of that, like, I just, I knew that I always wanted her to love her body and not because of how it looked, but how it could serve her. And mm-hmm. I think that was really healing for me. Oh, that's so beautiful. And you know that I've, every story I've heard about adoption, they are each complete miracles. And I love that you talked about that. Oh, absolutely. That. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So for you, when you were transitioning into motherhood, um, were you just overwhelmed by that joy or the responsibilities? I mean, I think no matter what, um, women can struggle with that transition. I was curious what that was like for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Coco was kind of a baby moon because Coco was an abnormally good baby. I mean, she was just one of those babies who at three months old was like, don't worry about me. I'll sleep through the night. I got this. <laughs> you know, and it's your months, reward for waiting through a pacifier so long across the room and was like, I don't need that anymore. I'm good people, you know, wow. and that's pretty much how she's always been. She's, mm-hmm. uh, of course she's human and she has faults and flaws, yeah. but she has just been a real easy child and a real blessing to our home. And then, you know, having our own by like my husband and I tease all the time. We're like, oh my goodness, why did we ever mess with having our own biological children? We passed <laughs> on all our flaws to them. Not to say we love them just as much and they are amazing. And I love my boys. Of like, course. I think sometimes the harder you work on something, the more you love it. Right. Yeah. So our boys are very active and very strong willed mm-hmm. and absolutely adorable. And so I think I started struggling like, Motherhood got overwhelming, you know, like once we knew we could have children, we wanted to be able to have as many as we could before, you know, I basically aged out of that uh, mm-hmm. ability. Yeah. So, you know, we had our children very close together. Um, we've got, you know, there's uh, 14 months between Coco and Levi, which Co- Levi was a complete wow. happy accident. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> That's we had no idea that like I had an ectopic pregnancy right about the same time we adopted Coco and I oh, lost wow. the fallopian tube. Um, and oh, so I thought wow. for sure, yeah, we'll just continue with adoption. And then all of a sudden we found out we were pregnant, you know, because that's what happens. <laughs> oh. And so we were pregnant with my son. And once, you know, you have two, all of a sudden that definitely complicates things. And then two years later we had another boy. And then about, mm-hmm. um, two and a half years after that, we had another boy. So, and you know, just having lots of kids it just it, I, we tease all the time we're like once you have anything over two children it's just biologically wrong because you only have two hands and two parents in most situations <laughs> yes. so I don't know what we were thinking but we love them all so we can't yeah. go back now right then yes. I think that's one of the big things is that you can just continue moving forward I mean every single day I am at a loss at something like I don't <laughs> know all the answers and I think that's, but that's the only way we grow too, right? Like mm-hmm. if we knew all the answers and everything, we understood how to do it, there's no opportunity for growth. And I think that motherhood, nothing has challenged me like motherhood has. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. I mean, it's for starters, you're dealing with such an impactful opportunity. Like these, like in my, I, I believe that these people are eternal and I think back on the things that I did seven years ago as, you know, a brand manager or anything, and all that stuff is rotting away on a hard drive somewhere. <laughs> Nobody cares about any of that stuff. But mm. the fact that I potty trained 
<laughs> some of these people, it yeah. pays dividends every single day. And that's just mortality kind of stuff. And mm. if I can teach these, you know, help instill values and if I can help with self-worth or if I can identify some of these really core uh, competencies for life, like that can be generational. Yeah. And I think that's just so overpowering responsibility. So, of course, mm-hmm. right, like it's something that I struggle with, but at the same time, it makes me realize like how important this is and gives me an incredible amount of uh, self-worth in this job. I really do believe that it's the most important thing that I'll ever do. It's definitely not a glamorous thing, and it's definitely not something that a lot of people recognize, but I really do feel like it's incredibly important, even though I feel like a failure at it at least, you know, three times a day. It's still important, and I'm still going to keep trying. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to get swept up in that um, responsibility and that identity And I think we all get to this point where we learn we still need to hold on to ourselves and our own identity and our own gifts and our own interests. And when did that come into play for you? And how have you been able to still focus on holding on to the things that you hold important? I think that's so important, too. Like, I I absolutely agree with you. Sometimes my husband will ask me, like, why do you want to continue working and why do you want to persevere with this? And I think that's a big part of it. I don't want to feel like I have to live vicariously through my children, although I think what mm-hmm. I'm doing is important. I don't want to feel like my only sense of expression is through them. I mm-hmm. think that's an unfair responsibility to place on them. Yes. And I want to know that they can look up to me and see me as an individual and see me with goals and you know challenges and different things outside of them. I think it's good for them to identify me as an individual and not just as a caretaker. And so I feel like for me doing, continuing in, you know, personal interests and different things like that is important for them and for myself. Oh my goodness, Rachel, there was so much there that I I feel like you could write a book on that. (laughs) You really could. I would like to read a book on that. Yeah. Okay. I could use some feedback and some I'm sure there are ideas some out on there, that. But you just had such a good way of wording that. And you know, I think the reverse is, like you said, if we put so much pressure on them to um, live up to making our lives worth it, <laughs> I think we're going to be disappointed. I mean, because they're oh, their absolutely. own people, right? And they're going to make mistakes, right? Oh, man. Right. Like, I don't I don't want to have to feel like anybody is depending on me to be perfect because I will fail them right away. And I don't want my children to feel like they have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I want to do as much as I can. I And I think this is a team effort, right? Like, it, I don't think any family is functional. If the mom feels like she has to do everything for the mm-hmm. family, it's gonna, you're setting yourself up for failure. And I am not good at delegating, but I am learning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am learning to delegate because I need to, like, I I have to teach my children to realize, like, the energy you bring into a home affects everyone else. Like, you can make changes in this organization just like I can. And, you know, we're all in this together. And I think that's an important thing for them to learn and for me to learn, too, that, like, I can't control everything and I can't you know, we, we have to work on this together. And they're, they definitely teach me, I think, way more than I could ever instill in them. So that is so true. Um, you know, I'm thinking about what you've, what you've talked about a few times about, um, 
you said this early on, uh, you try to help women find, and I'm sure men too, their true reflection. Oh yeah. Yeah. We definitely have men. I would say I get to work with women more often, but I really enjoy men. I have one in particular that I really absolutely love helping out, even though he's the pickiest man on the planet. Really? Is that your husband? Oh yeah. My husband. (laughs) I had to ask. The pickiest man on the planet. Oh my goodness. I adore (laughs) him. Oh, but he is just one of those people who just, he lives in nuances. Yeah. And I think whenever I get frustrated with him, I'm like, he's really picky and he picked me. So, yeah. you know, we got to give him something like he has good taste. So. Yeah, he does have good taste. Um, okay. So I want to go a direction with that. But first, you know, this true reflection thing that you've talked about, how did that come into play for you? How are you able to look at yourself and see your own true reflection. And I'm asking this. So for people who feel like they've maybe lost themselves or they're really, um, they, they went down a path that wasn't serving them maybe, or, um, they just struggle looking in the mirror and seeing them. How were you able to get back to that place where you could see your own true reflection again? I think that's a really good question. I don't think there's any easy answers to that, but I think that there are, little steps that you can start taking along the way. And I think one of the things um, that I just appreciating the functionality of my body and I like rather than thinking, you know, oh my goodness, I have just enormous thighs for the rest of my body. Like they are big and they are rather than saying it like that, I have to think to myself, oh my goodness, my thighs are so strong. Like I'll tell my kids all the time, I'm like, look how strong they are. I can squat both of you at the same time. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Because that's how I want them to see their bodies rather than just thinking about, you know, how they look. Mm -hmm. Just thinking like, look at these things that it can do. And I think when you get back to, you know, how your body serves you rather than, you know, trying to sculpt it or shape it into something that is never going to be functional. I think starting with that and then once you've got that foundation down, then like I love coloring and complexion because it's just, it's something you can appreciate about yourself. That's maybe not as, Oh, how would I put it? It's not as vulnerable sometimes as body type. Like when you profile people for body type, there's always like some like, Oh man, I didn't want to be bad. Or I'm like, no, they're all good. There's no bad body types. They're just, Mm. and I promise that every single person thinks there's, you know, something enviable about you. So I love coloring complexion because it's being able to maybe focus on something that you didn't see in yourself before. So, you know, realizing that you have warm undertones in your skin or that like certain colors bring out these in your eyes. I think it's just kind of a neutral Switzerland area of fashion that Mm -hmm. doesn't have so many triggers and vulnerabilities. And so sometimes it's just kind of fun to play with that. And then once you have those foundations in place, like looking at that self-expression component, because we really can't change our body types. I mean, I can run, you know, a couple of marathons and I'm a smaller, lower figure and I can eat a couple boxes of donuts and I'm a bigger, lower figure, but I'm always a lower figure. That's not going to change. And, you know, the makeup of my eye color and my hair, like I can change those to some degree, but I am who I am and those are what genetics have given me. But the thing that's fun about signature style is it's something you have complete control over. So that's, your self-expression component of it. And then you, that's where you really get to start to have fun with things. And so I think when you start seeing the, like a lot of people think fashion is just this complete art form that you can't understand. And really in truth, there's, you can make it very formulaic and you can make it Mm. very easy to digest. 
So it doesn't have to be a big mystery that only certain people can attain to. It's something that everybody can figure out. There's no real mysteries behind it. And I like to break it down for people. Um, And then, you know, you can take it to whatever artistic interest you want as well. But once you have those foundations in place, that's when I feel like you can start getting that full, like, reflection back. And obviously, there's so many, you know, there's so much that goes into really being able to see yourself. And I think that's a lifetime process to really be able to look at yourself at your, your full potential and your full depth. But I think those are some of the ways that I started. Like I think when I broke it down into kind of those formulas and things for myself, um, it made me able to appreciate it. And also just being around women all the time and seeing all the different body types and how beautiful I thought all these different people were. And in the end, it wasn't it wasn't their size or it wasn't their ratios or anything like that that made them beautiful. It was just who they are, you know, like being able to see um, them come through in, you know, their full expression. Like, that's, mm-hmm. you, nobody you love, you, you, there is nobody out there who will love you, who really loves you, that will love you more because you're smaller or smoother or any of those things. That's not why anybody really loves you. People love you because of who you are. And I think that the more we can see ourselves through the eyes of people who really love us, you know, somebody who you really who really understands you when you can see yourself as they do, then that's going to make a big difference as well. You know, you just do this impossible thing of of helping women empower themselves to see themselves for who they really are. And through a superficial medium at times, I mean, it can be really superficial, but you do it in a way that it's not, it's so much deeper. And that's you in general. I, I think you are a deep person. You have a big heart. You share it Mm -hmm. willingly. You're real with the struggles that you have in your family or within yourself. And you're also, I mean, you're so funny. So I wanted to know (laughs) how this, um, how you've been able to strike such a tricky balance in, in the world that we're in, but also in with the field that you're in. Uh, well, my goal has never been to be, uh, of course I want, it's always validating to get likes and it's always validating, you know, to make money and all of those things, but that's not going to make me happy in the long run. And I'm interested in being happy and fulfilled and if I can have success along the way, that is awesome. That's super, you know, I, that's great. But success can be empty if you're not getting it um, in a way that's important and valuable to you. And I think I learned that early on, you know, like doing all these marketing campaigns and, you know, working in, you know, all kinds of different fields and all kinds of different businesses. I think it just teaches you what is going to make you happy and what isn't. And I've found that this makes me happy and I don't want to compromise that for something that might be more lucrative or something Mm -hmm. that might be, you know, more, Oh, that might increase fame or things like that. Those, those are, uh, those are what's going to lead to what I want in the long run. And I feel like I have a really, a valuable connection with the people that I'm able to communicate with. Like I really I read every single comment that people Mm -hmm. send and I really appreciate the energy that 
um, I'm able to find out there. I mean, because most of the time, I, I'm a stay-at-home mom most of the time. You know, I go out maybe twice a week. I go and do clients, and, you know, I teach. Um, so we've got a little interaction there. But I really, I really do enjoy the community that I get to this, especially with the mood that I recently went through. I think if I didn't have my... <laughs> my online community, I would have felt really lonely, you know, being yeah. in a new state and all these things that I'm like, but I can take my friends with me on my phone. So, so it'll be okay. True. Right. So I think yeah. uh, that in the long run, that's, that's why I do what I do. And, mm-hmm. um, I love what I do and that's, what's most important to mm-hmm. me. And I, I don't want to compromise, um, what I started this for. I think keeping that in mind has really helped it with that as well. Well, that all comes across. I mean, you, you are doing it. You are fulfilling this grander purpose you have to it. And I admire that so much in you. If people want to um, find you, where, where should they go? Oh, well, you can find me on my blog. My website's cardiganempire.com. And you can link to my Instagram um, from there. But my handle is also Cardigan Empire. I also have a YouTube channel. Uh, there it's just youtube.com slash Rachel Bagley. Um, and those are the places I communicate the most, but you can find all my contact information on my website, including my email address. And I'm always happy to hear questions, comments. Like, like I said, I, I read, um, everything that people send me and I try to comment back as much as I can. You're so good at that. Now, can people, um, do services with you over the internet? Like say they don't live in Utah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Most of my services that I deliver are virtual. So I do virtual color analyses and lookbooks and shopping sessions. I do all those kinds of things virtually. And so that if you don't live in the Utah Valley right now or Arizona where I visit frequently, I can definitely work with you still. I've gotten to work with some really interesting people from like Costa Rica, United Kingdom or Netherlands or different things like that. As long as you can speak English, we can work together. So great. Okay. I will link, I will link to all of that as well in the show notes. And I ask each guest this final question, and it's, what have you learned about yourself the past few years that you'd like to share with us? That is a weighty question. Let me think about that. (laughs) I think one of the things that I've learned about myself in the past few years is just that if you don't challenge yourself, you're never going to change. And it's really easy to fall into complacency. And to just accept where you're at and to just feel kind of mediocrity. I think that as humans, we were born to grow and we were born to change. I mean, we start out as these little babies and rapidly we're learning to talk and we're learning to walk. And, you know, even though, uh, you know, past in our late puberty years, we stop, you know, physically growing, I think we still always crave the opportunity to grow. And I think that sometimes we discount that and we think, oh, you know, we don't want to fall into the trap of greed or we don't want to, you know, like be overly ambitious. And I don't think growth has to be that way. I think growth can be altruistic and I think it can serve others. And I think that, you know, if we allow ourselves to seek out what we really want and allow ourselves to really change, even though it's really uncomfortable sometimes, um, that's where we're going to find our greatest happiness and our greatest peace. It's not in, you know, chasing down, you know, whatever is 
told to us is important, but being able to really look inside ourselves and see where we need to improve and see where we need to change. And that's what I've learned over the last couple of years. And that's what I'm still working on myself is being able to look at your own vulnerabilities and decide how you can improve on that, knowing that I'll never be perfect. And that's not what I'm seeking. But if I can continue to seek that progress, that that's really what's going to bring me happiness. Oh my goodness. I think you're just summing up exactly what my mission is right now to spread is that, that, that line of thinking. It's just that tricky balance of accepting yourself and pushing yourself. And that's why I feel so connected with you and what you're doing, Rachel. And this, this whole interview was just wonderful. I'm really, really grateful you take the time to to talk with me tonight. Thank you very much. Oh, I feel like it was a blessing for me. So it's been a long time since I've been able to really have a long conversation. So it was really nice talking to you as well, Monica. You have a great way of drawing out um, what's real in people. And I think that's a beautiful talent and you're doing an amazing job. Thank you. I am sure you are like me and just loved getting to know Rachel a little better. She is an amazing woman. It was so fun to have on. We talked for a while off the air afterward. And man, I just am really impressed by people who are even nicer than you thought they were. And I left with even higher esteem of Rachel than I had before, which was already a pretty high standard. Rachel, I'm so glad that you were on the show. And thank you so much. I would love it if you guys could give her a follow. I have linked to everything Rachel in my show notes at About Progress. Let's talk about where I'm at with my reviews. My goal for mid-November is to get to 80 formal reviews. We have over 80 star reviews, which are awesome. But what I need are actual written reviews, which are in the 70s right now, which is so fabulous. And I'm so grateful to you guys. If you can do me a favor, many of you have direct messaged me and emailed me or even texted me about how you love the podcast and with some insights from them. If you can go back in, copy whatever you wrote to me and paste it into a review, I would be so grateful because I often read those and I and I love connecting with you and talking to you, but I also am just like, man, I wish there was a way for me to just copy and paste this into the reviews um, because I would love for other people to see what these people are getting out of it. So let's do that because my your anniversary is coming up soon and I'm going to do a special episode for that. And I can't wait to do that, you guys. That's going to be really fun. Next Wednesday, we will be hearing from Julie Taylor, also known as So Canary. She is fabulous, an amazing writer, so wise, so forward-moving. She has been through a lot. We're going to talk about her own personal struggles with food addiction and what that looked like for her, as well as how in her recovery of food addiction, it led to other eating disorders. Be prepared to take notes because I really enjoyed getting to go deep with Julie and there were so many good truth bombs from there. So definitely tune in next Wednesday for that episode. Until then, you guys, thank you so much for coming back. I love you and appreciate you. And until next Wednesday, please take care of yourself. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.